Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Kerry Clack, columnist, editorial board member. Metro editor, Greg Jefferson. Nancy Prayer Johnson, associate editorial board editor. We've got a lot to talk about today. Before we get into, you know, the, the, the news here in San Antonio, I wanted to mention to anyone who hasn't seen it that Kerry was the keynote speaker at last week's uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, March in San Antonio. And he gave fantastic speech, which is available uh, for viewing on our Express News YouTube channel. And uh, I won't, you know, I won't get into a lot of details about it because I think you need to, to, to see it and hear it yourself. But I think he really uh, gets into, you know, what MLK was really all, all about and and, uh, and the way he's sort of a co-opted or, or there are politicians attempting to co-opt him and his legacy, um, you know, one, one, once a year. And uh, anyway, it's, it's, I encourage everyone to, to watch that. Um, about six months ago, uh, if you'd asked me, I would have said that this coming uh, municipal election in San Antonio was probably going to be kind of a, a quiet, maybe even boring one. You know, you had, I think, just about every uh, seat had an incumbent planning to run again who still who was not term limited out. Uh, the, ma- the mayor, uh, Ron Nuremberg, is, he looks like he's going to cruise to a, a fourth term. And uh, in that time, things have gotten kind of interesting. We've seen two uh Council incumbents, uh, Clayton Perry and Mario Bravo, get censured for for their behavior. Clayton Perry's, you know, facing uh, legal trouble over the the hit and run accident that we've talked about on this on this podcast. And uh, we've had the Justice uh, Charter Coalition uh, come forward with looks like they're going to be able to get uh, a charter amendment on the ballot, which would ban chokeholds and uh, uh, no knock warrants and uh, decriminalize abortion. Um, and also, uh, and, and, uh, uh, encourage or, or require that police officers, uh, not arrest someone for, for small possessions, uh, amounts of marijuana. Um, so that's, I think also going to, going to affect, uh, the nature of the race, but the big news that, which, which we got last week is that district seven councilwoman Anna Sandoval, who, uh, got the, the highest percentage of the vote of any council incumbent in both 2019 and 2021, uh, dis- has announced that she will not seek another term and is actually uh, leaving office at the end of this month to take a job with the University Health System uh, doing research um, into health equity issues. And this is really, uh, I mean, it just, we've had an immediate uh, the rush to, to uh, you know, run for the, whether it's going to be an open seat and it's going to be, we're going to have, it's really a, a two track process. We're going to have an appointment process to fill the remainder of this term. And then we're going to have an, uh, an open seat in, in May. Uh, Greg, you know, what was your your first reaction when you this was something that um, I think was a surprise to a lot of people in San Diego? Oh, yeah. No, it was a surprise to me. Um, the rumor had been around for months. Yeah. Um, but after a while, it seemed like, OK, well, this is not going to happen. Uh, the timing of it totally makes sense. She announced right before uh, the opening of candidate filing, which was last Wednesday. Uh, so clearly she's clearing the deck. She's saying I'm out. Um, And if you step back, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Anna Sandoval is not someone who enjoyed the hurly-burly of City Hall. (laughs) You know, the back and forth, the compromises. 
Um, I mean, she was, you know, she was, she was very policy minded and I think she was effective kind of in that, in that sphere. But the, the kind of nitty gritty of politics was just, she never, uh, she never really caught into it. She never really, uh, enjoyed it. Like some council members do, you know, I think they, they just, they like the back and forth, the give and take of politics. I think Manny Pelias always kind of comes to mind. There's a happy warrior thing. And I think she, I don't think the, the. The battle is necessarily enjoyable to her, right? right? And it was, you know, so uh, she's got she's got a baby. <laughs> I mean, she, you know, she's got an infant. Um, that's a ton of work. Uh, very little sleep you get in the first in the first year. Uh, so she's tired. She's grieving. You know, her. You know, she's still dealing with the death of her father over a year ago. Uh, she's helping her mom. She's got a newborn. She's you know, she's got a council job where, where she's been effective and she's had really good constituent service. It's, it, I think it, I think it reached the point where it, it was just weighing on her too much. And then you throw on that, um, you know, the, the verbal assault of Mario Bravo against her back in September. This is a former romantic partner of hers. And I think it just became, you, you add that to the mix, it's all just too much. So it makes sense. So, you know, her announcement coming when it did made sense. It was very orderly. And she sets up uh, what's, you know, a race for an open seat. And I think everybody has made clear, including Anna Sandoval, that they want whoever the interim appointee is in District 7 to be committed to not running for the seat. And along those lines, um, we had an immediate... Uh, name come forward uh, for the appointment. And this is Rosie Castro, who, you know, a legendary figure in in San Antonio, uh, the mother of Julian and and Joaquin Castro, someone who was a a political activist, ran for city council on the uh, Committee for Barrio Betterment slate in 1971, when she was 23 years old. And um, she also is someone who has known Anna for, you know, Anna went to, to high school with, with uh, the twins. So uh, Rosie's known her for a long time at, at Anna's kickoff for her first campaign in 2017. Rosie was there speaking on her behalf and has always been a great big champion of hers. So the things that, that, that Anna wanted were, you know, to have, to be able to keep her, her staff intact, whoever gets the appointment, keeps the staff intact for the rest of this term. Um, and, uh, Someone who's not going to run in May. Rosie has already said she's not going to run in May. Um, Nancy, I mean, it when it when it happened, it all made sense. I mean, immediately when Rosie Castro's name uh, came forward, it, it it all made sense that she would be someone who could who could uh, could fill that that term. Um, but you know, it's it, at the same time. I mean, prior to all this happening, it, it's not something we would have thought about. I mean, what did? What was your reaction to that? Yeah, when I first saw it, I was a little surprised. Um, I think Elaine Ayala had a really good column about it and said it's a natural choice, right? I mean, she's from the West Side. She's well-known. She's a fighter. Uh, she fights for, for the people of the West Side. So, I mean, I think all of those and, – and also her relationship with Anna I think is really important too – um, I don't think she would do a bad job. You know, everything points to her doing a good job and it's a short time as well. Um, and, and then we'll see what happens. Right. Yeah. It, it seems to me that, that the, uh, you know, the, uh, I, I mean, one of the, the, the people who I think we're going to be talking about, who's, I, 
looking like a, an early front runner possibly in, in that district seven race in the, in the election races, Marina Gavito, who, um, she's been the director of, uh, SA Digital Connect. She's she's worked with uh, at Rackspace USAA, uh, founding director of TechBlock. She's the daughter of Joe Alderete, who was a council member from seventy seven to eighty five. Worked closely with Henry Cisneros when Henry Cisneros was in, in was mayor, um, and she jumped into the race immediately. Um, and she has stated that she supports the idea of an appointment going to someone who's not going to run in May, which it, it seems very clear that she she's going to focus on the election. And um, I'm not saying everyone's going to clear the field for Rosie for the yeah. appointment, but I, but I think the, the major candidates that we're probably going to see in the election are probably going to say, I'm going to concentrate on that. And I'm not going to, I don't know if there's, if there's any, any benefit to seeking the appointment um, now trying to get three or four months on the council. Um, when you're, when you, when you have that kind of, if you plan to run in May, Especially when you're when you got Rosie Castro as an opponent. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know that there's that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. If, if Rosie well, wasn't I mean, an opponent, I think it could be the case could be made for getting in there and oh, yeah. making an answer yourself yeah. and Absolutely. saying, "Look what I already did." I, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So I mean, but. you had that. I mean, so you've got you've got a known quantity in in Rosie Castro. Um, you've got uh, a majority of council. Just about. Every, I, I don't think. Our reporters have talked to a council member who said, you know what, I'm totally open to having a an appointee also run for the seat yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Nobody says that. Um, so I think, you know, once uh, – and by the way, so Mayor Nuremberg is being weird about the starting of this. Like we're hearing very little, very – Yeah, I would have no thought we would have heard something by now. Yeah, no, de no details about how they're actually going to – you know, when they're going to start the appointee process like and how it's going to play out. So hopefully this week we'll we'll get those details. But I, you know, I can't imagine that wouldn't be kind of a, you know, we're definitely going to be looking for an appointee who's not going to run. And then there, there's Rosie Castro. Yeah. Um, and I think you know Marina uh, Gavito. You know, she says she doesn't want. She's not going to seek the appointees. You know, the uh, the interim appointment. In part, I think that's just simple pragmatism. It takes a ton of time to run for office. Yeah. And I mean, sure, you can leverage your, in, your interim appointment uh, and kind of do yeah. both at the same time, but it's a little bit scuzzy. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody nobody would think that was fair. Yeah. Having had some experience uh, working with a, a politician who it pledged not to run for an office that she was appointed to. I think, I mean, it, it really it truly is a, a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 symbolic, but it's also substantive. I mean, it's symbolic because, as you said, you know, Rosie mm -hmm. ran in 1971 and, mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. lost. And, they, you know, and she said, we'll be back. Yeah. And then, you know, she has these two. Took a while. Took a while. But then Julian, you know, that right. was, you know, he's yeah, yeah. in that seat. That's, and then that's yeah. exactly right. For the yeah. circle to fully be closed and her to be serving on in that in that seat. Mm -hmm. But it's also substantive, substantive because she's going to have four months of actually voting, actually doing some some policy. And um, for everything that Greg and you and, and Nancy have said about her that makes it a I'm frankly a no-brainer with all due respect to to other people who want to be appointed who, who have said that they may not uh, seek to seat. Uh, it's just that this I mean there's some 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 things aren't always equal. And when you have this choice of a uh, and Rosie is seventy five, I that's think. That's right. That's right. In fact, she'll be seventy six the day after the the, the elections. Election. 
It's a no-brainer. And and and, it, and it's there's no excuse for holding this up. Yeah. yeah. And and frankly, I mean with interim appointees and we you know, um I think we saw this with Mike Gallagher. So much is handled by the the existing council staff. Mm. So I mean, you've got you you need an office holder, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you need somebody answerable to voters. Um but I mean, staff can keep things running. Sure. Um, and to the extent, I, you know, there's hardly ever what you could really call a lame duck mm-hmm. period. But with city council in the run up to a city election, you find you tend to find mm-hmm. fewer kind of controversial issues popping up and really blowing up at council. So, I mean, I, I just question what, you know, what huge issues city council is going to be handling in the next three months, uh, yeah. four months. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Something that um, Diego had, Diego Bernal had tweeted about Anna, and he just said, you know, disclaimer: I haven't spoken with um, with Councilwoman Sandoval. Um, this isn't based on any statement she's made, but it was inspired by her. Mm. I just thought it was really interesting. So he says an average cost of childcare in Texas for an infant is nine thousand three hundred twenty-four dollars a year. Um, seven hundred seventy-seven dollars a month, um, and a four for a four-year-old, it is five hundred eighty-nine dollars a month, and then the average salary of a San Antonio um, in San Antonio is forty-two thousand. Council person's average salary forty-five thousand. Yeah, it, so that's right. I mean, I you know that is a really pragmatic. I mean, she needs childcare, and she's a single mom, and yeah. babies are expensive, and so I think this new opportunity for her mm-hmm. um, will be a good one for that reason as well. Yeah, and she talked about it. I mean, she's you know as as someone, she's uh, forty-seven. She's a, a single mom. She's uh, basically become the the, the primary. A caregiver when it comes to to her mother yeah. uh, since her since her father passed away 14 months ago and so she's you know she, she's got some some pretty heavy burdens at this point in her life and I think she is she's she said that the, you know the financial considerations were were part of it and I uh, there there are a lot of other issues going on in the city right now and, and obviously it's not gonna something that's gonna come up real soon but I do think that there there's uh, it would not be a bad idea for the city to revisit the council pay issue. We've made some great progress in uh, I can't remember if it was 2017 or 2015, uh, the year that they passed uh, that they approved council pay and got us to the 2015 when they got us to the to the forty five thousand. Um, uh, that was a, you know it was a really positive step. And uh, but I think that we'd we'd be better given the size of the city, yeah, how big the districts are. Yeah. The uh, workload of it. Yeah. I mean, they're always. I I feel like it's. How often do they have meetings? It's like feels like every day. Well, yeah, well, between I mean, their committees have, I mean, and stuff. Yeah. Committee session on Wednesdays. The regular session Thursdays, and then they've got all of the city council committees. committees yeah. You know, where they actually make the policy. Yeah. Yeah. It is so, a, it's a very active council. Yeah, and each council member has two to three appointment committee appointments apart from you know yeah. their regular meetings. Yeah. So and, but, and for the guys to the choice that that uh, Anna has made. You know, we can. Everyone's talking about the you know political calculations everyone else is making, but ultimately it just it comes down to us being. Everyone should be able to say good for you, yeah, yes. and congratulations, yeah. right. Sure. right, sure, and it's well deserved. I mean, yeah. she's she's, she's been about 
health equity and um, and done. I mean, during COVID, during mm-hmm. all that, she was very instrumental in working, mm-hmm. and she's worked really hard for her for her district. And so I think yeah. that um, she deserves it. And I know that probably the council as a whole is just. It just seems like there's news. <laughs> Talk <laughs> about workload, but news every single day. It feels like an, another shakeup there, and this is one of them. But this is a different one. This yeah. is something different. And you know, District Seven has kind of. The, I mean, it, it is is really produced some some sort of political stars in this area. I mean, yeah. we had uh, Ed Garza went used, went from District Seven council member to Mayor Julian went from District Seven mm-hmm. to Mayor Justin Rodriguez became a state representative and then a county commissioner. And I think people have always thought that uh, you know, Anson involved, you know, that that, that she also had a chance to become mayor or run for something else. She hasn't closed the door on it. Um, I don't think it's anything that she's going to consider at any time soon, but I think she's, I don't think she's completely shut the door on, on possibly running for something uh, down the line. Like you said, she's young. She's 47. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, We mentioned uh, Marina Gavito. There are going to be other candidates in that race. Uh, One that that was, who already is filed is uh, Dan Rossiter, who's the assistant program manager at Southwest Research Institute. Um, And so we're another candidate we're going to be following. Um, one thing that was interesting to me is we're, and we're still, as Greg pointed out, the, the candidates just started filing beginning last Wednesday and, uh, there will be a lot more names added to the mix in the coming days. But what was interesting is that district one, um, we're obviously following uh, Mario Bravo's situation pretty closely. Um, and he, uh, he had a pretty good fundraising. I'm trying to get the, the, the figures. I think it was, I think it was, I know it was over $50,000 that he raised um, uh, this past uh yeah, and most of it was in December. Six months, yeah. Yeah. Which is really telling because, mm-hmm. I mean, he got censured, I believe, it was November. Right. And so... Yeah, his uh, his fundraising was less than stellar in October and November. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well. Yeah, it really picked up in December. So And so that, I think, it, you know, it, it, there was a real statement on the part of his of his donors saying, you know, we're, we're standing behind you. And, and I also, I think him realizing that he was in some political trouble and, and making a really strong push. And you just see him out there just in the way he's communicating, using the social media. He's been dealing with the St. Mary's uh, uh, issue with the road work. And he's, he's, he's just been very like uh, very active um, in trying to kind of uh, set the table for his, for his uh, reelection. Um, there will be some, you know, uh, uh, opposition there. One one candidate that kind of caught my attention, uh, Suk Carr, who is uh, an educational consultant. Uh, she announced in uh, last fall, and she's already raised more than forty one thousand um, dollars in a in a fairly short period of time. So I think that's someone who, uh, you know, she there's going to be a you have to build name recognition. I think uh, with voters, but I think that you know she's going to have a, a, a pretty good war chest to, to to help her in that race. Um, before we wrap things up, I wanted to talk a little bit about what we're seeing with uh, an interesting uh, conflict between two uh, Republican members of Congress who both represent San Antonio, and they are Chip Roy and Tony Gonzalez. We've talked about a lot on the podcast. We've had Tony Gonzalez on the podcast. Um, Kevin McCarthy, the new uh, Republican House Speaker, had some uh, skeptics and detractors in his caucus who were, uh, who he had to win over to, to be able to get to elected speaker. Chip Roy was one of them. And one of the things he agreed to was to fast track a border security bill that Chip Roy has introduced a border security bill, which would it's uh, HR 29, which would basically state that, that federal, uh, federal officials, if they can't put, uh, migrants who come 
to the border, if they can't put him in detention or send him to Mexico, then they have to be turned away. Uh, many people are interpreting this as just basically uh, destroying, obliterating the asylum process. Um, and we've had, without getting too deep in the weeds, we've had Title 42, a public health order, which has limited uh, a, 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 a asylum uh, over the past couple of years. But we've still, even within that, we've had room for individualized screenings where we've had unaccompanied children. The Biden administration, as they've as they've continued to use Title 42, have made exceptions for unaccompanied children. There have been individualized screenings where people who are in, seen as really in serious jeopardy in their home countries have been allowed to, to apply for asylum and stay in the country. The Chip Roy's bill doesn't allow for that. And so, uh, and it also says that if the f federal officials don't comply with, with what the bill uh, mandates, that states can sue the federal government. Uh, Tony Gonzalez uh, was, is one uh, of, of several Republicans who have objected to this bill, but he's been, I think, the most outspoken. And, uh, and since he covers about 800 miles of border territory, I think his, his voice has been a particularly relevant one on this. And so he's come out publicly and, and opposed it. What's really interesting is that we've, we've just learned, the Washington Post reported uh, today, Monday, the, uh, that this bill, which was gonna go right to the House floor and for a vote, uh, expected to go for a vote this week, is now gonna go to be sent to committee it's going to have to go through the Homeland Security Committee and where it's going to get looked at, dissected. Amendments will be added if it, if it makes it out of the committee. So Kevin McCarthy had given Chip Roy this gift. We're going to fast track this bill for you, get it to the House floor. And now because of pushback within his caucus, he's he's having to <laughs> he's having to turn that around and say, OK, well, no. One of the things that 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 was interesting is Chip Roy himself was one of the people in the House saying, I don't like the way that the process by which bills are getting passed. You know, we, we're not, we don't have people, there's not enough discussion and debate and everything. And there were a few Republicans saying, well, but look what we're doing with this bill. Mm -hmm. Look, we're just going to send it to the floor. Nobody's going to really have a chance to look at this. So anyway, can I, can, what do you make of the situation? Well, aside from the hypocrisy of that, of the, of the way. Interesting, first of all, that we, we know that McCarthy doesn't have much room to, to air when it comes to the uh, the chip war, Marjorie Taylor Greene side of the, uh, well, I mean, the extreme, yeah. even though Roy and, and Green were on different sides of supporting him for the speaker. But, you know, so was Roy and Gonzalez. So it's interesting that that McCarthy is is, is siding with with Tony, who you know, was out front and I mean, literally sitting behind him doing yeah. the, the early votes. Uh, I think that but looking at just Roy and Gonzalez, I think they are, they are two of the most more interesting members of the House of Representatives just because of uh, their their beliefs, because Roy is a true believer in all that stuff. Yeah. With him, you you know that, you know, you, you follow him on Twitter, you see him on the House floor, you know, sweating up a storm, tie undone, and you, you know he believes a lot of this, some of it I think just crap. With, with <laughs> Gonzalez, uh, He's fascinated fascinated me because as a you know as a freshman, and now as a as a two term congressman, uh, I think he feels that sometimes he has to sing that tune, but his heart isn't into it. And I think it's interesting interesting to see that 
in this new term, not only with this, when, when it comes to talking about the humanitarian side of the of the immigration fight with regards to Royce uh, Bill, but you know the fact that he was the only Republican who voted against the uh, the rules changes yeah. when it comes to leadership and everything. Uh, I think this is going to be an, an ongoing and and escalating feud between these two mm-hmm. congressmen who represent us and. One, one will be illuminating just how radical the other one is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tony Gonzalez is interesting in that, I'm, I, you know, with um, what appears to be the Speaker McCarthy's concession mm-hmm. to now send this bill through the committee. I mean, it's who knows how much Tony Gonzalez actually had to play, you know, had had to play in that. But um, he looks like the kind of lawmaker a House Speaker would want to nurture mm-hmm. in advance. Mm-hmm. So he's Hispanic Republican. Good for it. Absolutely. Uh, and he's really kind of developing himself as a national security and foreign policy expert. Um, in the olden days, they would put him, you know, he would be he would be very prominent within the Republican caucus, and he would his career would be advancing. And like maybe it's too much to think that that McCarthy recognizes a talent that you know the party needs to cultivate if they're going to you know ultimately succeed in Congress. Anybody who uh, appoints Marjorie Taylor Greene to Homeland Security, though, you kind of question <laughs> yeah. whether they're thinking question along those that. lines. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe mm-hmm. you know, in the olden days, like yeah. five or six or seven years ago, maybe a House Speaker would do that. Yeah. Would they do that now? I don't know. But and, he is, you know, he's a talent, and you would think that they would want to advance it. And I think McCarthy does. I think he's walk, McCarthy's walking that tightrope of like, if he loses, I mean, if he loses Roy and some of the others, the, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess basically there were twenty people who were kind of he had to kind of win over with various promises. If he loses those people, he's in big trouble. Yeah. And, but at the same time. His probably his probably his inclinations would probably be to cultivate people like Tony Gonzalez mm-hmm. uh, and, and develop them as the voice of the Republican Party more so right. than than people like Chip Roy and Marjorie Taylor Greene. But he's kind of at the same. They're the ones who have him over a barrel. Roy is an ideologue. Uh, whatever you want to think about McCarthy, he's not an ideologue, and and, and Gonzalez isn't an ideologue. Yeah. No, I think yeah. Gonzalez. If anybody's walking a tightrope, it is Gonzalez. Yeah. He's constantly. I would hope. I mean, he tweeted something. um, It was on the 15th. And um, it was a picture of little girls. There was one, two, three, four, five little girls. And it kind of gave me some hope that maybe he'll be compassionate in all of this. And I think, I mean, that's that's where this tweet was going, I feel like. And I think it was about this. It was about the Roy Bill. It was about this stuff. But he didn't say it. Yeah. Um, But he put the picture of them. They're out there in the dirt. And he said a cartel cartel dumped them babies, the babies in the field. Um, But then he said, you know, does denying them rescue make our border any more safe yeah. or secure. And so I would hope that um, he would just have more compassion, right, and to to try to form policy that, um, and, and I know it's 
going to be almost impossible, right, looking at our history, but to try to form some kind of policy that is more compassionate. And and I and I know it's difficult for Tony being Republican and, and you know, and everything being so divided and divisive and everything. And, but and, and uh, you know, the, some of the, the challenges in his district where you got, you know, El Paso, for example, you yes. know, they've been, yes. you know, trying to deal with just so many people coming in yes. and, and, and how they're going to. It's hard, it. right? Because yeah, yeah. you have to balance those yeah. things. But it's, but it's shrewd, even though the way, I mean, just to, just using that picture the way that yeah. Nancy yeah. said without, without, I mean, he was throwing shade. Yeah. And so just don't, just putting, putting that picture out there and just leaving it, letting it stand, it's, it, it's, it's a shrewd move. Um, yeah. It is. It I, I think a lot. it was important. It says a lot about where he stands. Yeah, I mean the the the, the action that's happening within the Republican Congress uh, caucus over the next two years is just going to be uh, really fascinating. It, it, a little. Di- I mean, we we saw it with the Tea Party and John Boehner struggling to deal with that, and 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 we, we've seen some iterations of this. But I think it's it's uh, this is going to be another different. level. Yeah, it's, it's another level. <laughs> well. Mm-hmm. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Going to have a lot more news on, I think, on the city council races and, and other things. Uh, state legislature will probably, uh, we haven't talked a lot about that, and we'll, we'll dive deep in, deeper into that uh, in the coming weeks. Thank you all for listening. Hope you all are doing well, and uh, take care. We'll be back next week.